Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Gathering Podcast. Hey, Imago Day, it is so good to be with you this Sunday, the first Sunday of 2021. Yes, 2020 is over. Uh, very, very thankful for that. Aren't, aren't you, huh? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you clapping. All right. Uh, just want to say thank you to all of you who gave generously to the end of the year giving for December. We don't have the numbers yet, but we will soon. And we are just so grateful for so many of you who, who really gave of yourselves generously. Once one of our practices is generosity, and you all have done that, and I'm just very, very thankful. Also, uh, as we move into a new year, we are going to begin live streaming. And so the first one of those will be on January 17th for kind of staff and leaders as we figure out how everything works. But that will be a new format on Sundays that you will go to for a live stream. And then it will be recorded and available to you on demand after that. Starting on the 24th, you will be able to register for both Eastside and Central City campuses. We have obviously limited capacity, but we will be taking temperatures and contact tracing and being able to, as safely as possible, uh, provide an in-person worship experience. According to the survey, 40% of you said you were ready to come back. Others of you aren't. One of the big concerns was that we would quit doing online, and that is not gonna happen. We will continue to do online from here forward, knowing that many of you have found new rhythms. Many of you won't be able to come back for quite some time, and yet we consider any of us who are participating on Sunday, whether in person or at home, as participating in the act of worship together as a church family. And so those details are available on the website. Please look into that. If you haven't signed up for our email, um, you can do that as well. The link is below. And we are just so excited to finally, even though it's limited, to be able to worship in person together. Um, today, I want to share a message on what it means to be a seeker. You know, going into a new year, we always have a lot of expectations, especially after 2020. Our hearts are always seeking something better, and the new year is always a time where those expectations go through the roof, whether it's uh, the new exercise regime, the way you're gonna save financially, uh, diets, whatever it is. And as Jesus followers, I want us to give voice to those desires as we seek, whatever it is. But I want to focus that desire on seeking the Lord. The word seek is kind of an interesting word from the standpoint of we don't use it as much as they do in Scripture. In the Bible, the word seek is used 143 times, many of those in reference to seeking the Lord, seeking God. We are a seeking culture, meaning we are a culture of endless desires and we're given endless things to seek and endless ways to seek them. 
Uh, we're just coming out of Christmas and how many advertisements and uh, from, from social media to television to wherever, these, these things are thrown at us saying, seek us, seek this, seek this thing. And I'm as bad as anybody when it comes to being caught up in it. I'm on my Instagram and all of a sudden I'm looking at some goofy pair of shoes that I think are going to just change my life. We're an, we're an endless seeking culture. And while we don't use that word, we often use the word want. The question becomes, what do you want? And I want you to think about that question as we enter into a new year. In a new year, our desires to seek or to pursue are even more pronounced. In a new year, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a year that's been so challenging and brutal, as we enter into a new year, we are seeking a much better year. We're seeking peace. We're seeking that the, we want the pandemic to go away. We want everyone to be vaccinated or we just want uh, health. We want to somewhat go back to a normalcy. And the truth is we are often an unsatisfied seeker. We are those who are unsatisfied by the people we seek, the places we seek, the things we seek. And when we find them, oftentimes we find them empty and unfulfilled. At best, we find them insufficient. And so why is that? Why are we just so wired to want, to desire, to seek? And it really comes from the fact that we are created in the image of God. And God himself is a seeker. The Father, Son, and Spirit are always seeking. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, what they're seeking, they're seeking to love the other. They're seeking to glorify the other. Jesus said as much in John's gospel. He's speaking to Pharisees and people who are coming at him. And he says in chapter 8, verse 50, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And what he's saying there is there is one, the Father, who seeks to glorify the Son. And the Son, as we read in John's gospel, seeks to glorify the Father. They seek to love, they seek to glorify, and the Spirit seeks to impart that love and glory from the Father and the Son back to each other. We are naturally seekers because we are made in the image of a God who is a seeker by nature. And for all eternity, the Father, Son, and Spirit have sought to glorify and love and delight in one another. And we are created to seek the one who sought us. You see, God actually seeks us. The, the God of the universe, the God who created and spoke all things into being, the God who is three in one and always content within himself. Psalm 53 verse 2 said, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. 
In Luke's gospel, Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so God looks to see who is seeking him. God comes after us in the person of Jesus. In John chapter 4, Jesus tells the woman at the well, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. It's pretty remarkable to consider the fact that the God who, who has always existed, who is all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-powerful, actually seeks a relationship with you. The Father is actually looking out this year and saying, who will seek God? Who will seek the one that will actually fulfill the heart of those that I have created in my image? And so today I want us to look at six promises for the seeker. And what I want you to think about is your own relationship with God. As you look back over 2020, does the verb to seek, to want, to pursue, does that capture your relationship with God? Not just in moments, but is there themes, is there seasons? where you could actually say that was true of me. And what would it look like for this year to as much as we are able to say that we will give ourselves wholly to seeking God? And, and, and the reason that that's so important, brothers and sisters, is because God promises the seeker many things. And the first one is this. The first one is that when you are in trouble because you have sinned, and as I, even as I ask that question, I can imagine many of us are feeling like, well, yes, I have, but, but I've also sinned. I've also blown it. I've also messed some things up. And so I, I don't really feel like I can seek God right now. And yet God tells the people of Israel in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is personally and collectively, when we have sin, when we are in trouble because we have sinned and we seek him, God's promise is that he will heal you and forgive you. And so the good news this morning, brothers and sisters, is that wherever you're at, even if you're in full-on rebellion against God, if you've ran away from God, if you've turned from God, his promise is that if you would humble yourself and you would pray to him just in your own words, God, I have wrecked and made a mess of this, and seek his face, turning from your wicked ways. He says, I will hear you, and I will forgive your sin and heal you. He says that 
collectively to us as a church. And how many times has the church in this country, even in the last year especially, fallen into sin, fallen into nationalism, fallen into putting other things before God? What would it look like to collectively humble ourselves, to seek his face and to pray and turn from all other allegiances so that he will hear us, so that he'll forgive us, so that he'll heal our land. The first promise is that when you're in trouble because you have sinned and you seek him, he will forgive you. He'll hear you and he'll forgive you. The second one is that if you seek God, you will never be without God. Psalm 9, verses 10, the psalmist says, Those who know your name and trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Uh, that is one of the best promises ever, that if we seek the Lord, he will never forsake us. Jesus promised as much, I will never leave you or forsake you. But for the seeker, there's an intimate experience of God being with us, of God being for us, of God being on our side. No matter what storm, what, what kind of moment or crisis we might find ourselves in, we will know that God will never forsake us. That means he will be for us and with us and on our side. You will never be without God when you seek him. What an incredible promise that is for us in a year like this. Number three, he will answer your persistent prayers. Jesus is talking about prayer, and he says to the disciples, ask and it will be given seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds the one who knocks the door will be open Matthew 7 7 through 8 and, and he's talking about prayer and I don't know about you but sometimes man my prayers are so pathetic I mean honestly I'll I'll hear about something, I'll be like, oh, God, help that person, or God, help me with this, or God, you know, I just toss up some kind of weak prayer, and I think that that'll cover it. And God is a God who likes to be engaged, who likes to relationally be engaged. Um, and, and so what he's saying is that when you pray, be persistent in your prayer. He welcomes you. To not just ask, but to seek. To not just seek, but to knock. To bang on the door of heaven. To cry out to God, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, show up. And he promises those who seek him through persistent prayer that they will find him and that he will open the door to them, that he will respond to you. And if there has ever been a time where the church of God, the church of Christ, needs to find themselves in a posture of persistent prayer, it's now. It's now. By ourselves, collectively, together, we are to be a praying people. And this beautiful promise is that he will answer our persistent prayers. 
The question is, do we want it enough to ask and seek and to knock, right? The third promise that he gives the seeker is that he will answer the seeker's prayers. The fourth one is that the promise for the seeker is that we will not only seek him, but we will find him, but we have to be aware of forsaking him. God speaks to Solomon in 1 Chronicles chapter 28. He says, And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart, and he understands every desire and every thought. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. That's a hard truth. That's a hard promise. We know that on this side of the cross that Jesus will never forsake us, but there is a sense that if we forsake God, we are in a sense turning our back on him. And that is a very dangerous place. That is a very dangerous play on our part. What God tells Solomon, and it's true for us as well, that if we will give God our wholehearted devotion, a willing mind, that he will know that. And and there's almost a scariness to this passage for me, because he says, for the Lord searches every heart and he understands every desire and every thought. And I know enough of my own thoughts and desires and heart that it kind of freaks me out that God would know some of the things that go on inside of me, and I'm sure that's true of you as well. One of the things that C.S. Lewis said that I think was so profound is that he said, God doesn't see our desires as too strong, which we often think of, like, oh man, I really want this thing or that thing and and that sin and that desire is so bad and it's strong. But C.S. Lewis actually says he sees our desires as too weak. That, That the fact that we would be satisfied with alcohol, with money, with this purchase, whatever it is, he says that is that is such a weak fulfillment when you were made to desire God. That, that what you should do is let your heart want more because then you will discover that it's only God that can actually fulfill it. But the fact that you're okay with just being topped off with a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you're too easily satisfied, C.S. Lewis says. Don't be afraid of those desires. Even the desires for bad things can still be rooted in something good. That desire is big and it's God-shaped. You're just trying to fill it with something that is so insignificant that it's actually doing harm to you. Allow yourself to want, but recognize the reason you keep coming up empty is because that desire was made for God and you're trying to fill it with something far less. 
The promise is that the seeker will find him, but we have to beware of rejecting him for something that is so much less significant, so much less life-giving. Promise number five, you will find God when you seek him. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse eight, he talks to them about going into the promised land and he says, there you're, you're gonna worship man-made gods of wood and stone which can't see or hear or smell. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. This is the promise that if you seek God, you will find God. You see, sometimes I think that that we seek God to get something from God. And it's okay to start there in your seeking. God, I need you to show up for this. God, give me peace for this. God, comfort me for this. But at some point along this journey of spiritual maturity, God becomes the thing that you want. I don't want something from God. I want God himself. The promise of Deuteronomy is that if you will seek the Lord, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Imagine that we, the people of God, have access to the very God of the universe. Jesus has created a way so that we can go into the very presence of God through prayer. And yet most of us don't do it. We're not that interested in it. We're so satisfied by the glittering images and the things that are around us that we're like, eh, I don't really have time for that. I don't really make time for that. If you look at my calendar of 2020, there's just these little spots and blips on the radar of times that I made time for God. But most of the time I'm seeking other things with my whole heart and soul. And yet the very promise of scripture to you and I, brothers and sisters, is that you will find God. That he's seeking you and he wants to be found by you. He delights when you find him. He wants to be found. What an incredible promise. And the challenge that I feel before me and before you this year is that would you put him to the test? Would you seek him so much that you want to prove this promise true? That you want to find God? That you want to experience him by his spirit? That you want to meet him in his word? That you want to see him show up in your life through answered prayer and in your relationships through reconciliation and forgiveness and healing? That you want God. And the Bible says, if you seek him, you will find him. The last promise, and there's so many more that I would encourage you to open the book uh, yourself, read the scriptures, look up the word to seek and study all the passages. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Hebrews 11 is kind of the faith hall of fame. It's it's this list of all these people who, by faith, uh, please God. And the author says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, 
because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The sixth promise is that seekers are rewarded by God. And what is the reward? The reward is God himself. God himself is the reward to the seeker. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit desires to give all that God is to you. And he says, if you come seek me, come find me, come look for me, you will find me and I will reward you. And as you read through this chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, you see some of the people experience that reward in real time. Some of them received their children back from the dead. Others didn't receive it in real time, like Abraham, who, who spent his time in the promised land living in tents, wandering like a stranger. But there's this beautiful verse that says the, they were looking for a city whose builder is God. They were looking for something more than the world had to offer. The path of maturity is when God himself becomes the reward that we seek. Not just health, not just well-being, not just breakthrough, all of which God delights to give us. Uh, that's why he welcomes all kinds of prayers. And he says, bring them to me, ask and seek and knock. But the ultimate gift, the ultimate reward, is when we receive God as the reward. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. And what an incredible thing to seek the reward of God, right? And what would it look like this year in 2020 if we came back here next January and we were able to say that we gave ourselves to seeking God. That was one of our first priorities every day of the week or even just every week. And so I want to challenge you, right? I want to challenge you to take some time and reflect back on 2020. I know we all just want to forget it <laughs> and I'm with you there. But I want you to look back and try to name what it was you were seeking. And I can think of so many themes as I look back on 2020. The anxiety and the unrest and the fear. And, and, and I can look at the things that I was seeking. But be honest with yourself in this. Look for themes. Look for cycles. It has been a tough year. And some of you ran from God and some of you ran to God. But as you look then forward to the coming year. While we pray for it to be a thing, a year where things turn around, where we find breakthroughs in our life, what does it mean for you to seek God this year with all your heart, with all your soul, knowing that you'll fail, knowing that you'll come short? But what would it mean to say that I want to spend my focus this year in pursuit of God. And think about the promises that we've just read. Think about the fact that God says in 2021, brothers and sisters, you will encounter the living God who wants to be found by you. 
I, I don't know why God wants to seek us or wants us to seek him other than he is a relational God and he delights in it. If you've ever played hide and seek with a little kid or, or you know, you're hiding from them, they're running around looking for you, you're saying warmer, you're getting closer, colder, right? Like there's something delightful about finding the one you're seeking. And God loves you enough and has created you so that you would be fulfilled by him that he says, come look for me, come seek me. You're getting warmer. What would it mean for 2021 to be a year where you could actually say, you know, I, I didn't do it perfectly, but I gave myself to seeking God this year. And I experienced the fulfillment of his promises and I found him. What will it require of you? What kind of time will you need to carve out? What kind of practices and habits will you need to form? How will you participate and prioritize worship and community so that you can keep fanning the flame of the spirit in your heart? Spiritual maturity doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we seek him. And how good is it that if we seek him, he says, we'll find him. I want to close with a prayer that, that in my mind captures kind of the posture of the heart that seeks God. And, and I want this to be a prayer that kind of is over us for this year. Psalm 63, you can pray along with me. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and I beheld your glory and your glory and power because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. Amago Day. may you this week and this year, be found by God to be one who seeks him wholeheartedly. Amen.